Hello and welcome to Better Under Pressure. I'm Sarah Milne-Rowe, author of The Shed Method and founder of Coaching Impact. And in this podcast, I talk to leaders from all walks of life about being better under pressure and using pressure for better. I want to explore how we handle pressure in a world that is becoming more and more complex, the impact that that pressure has on our ability to perform at our best and what we do to be better under pressure. On my way back, my client ran out of his oxygen. We were still very high. We, we were at 8,700 meters. We still have a long way to get down to the last camp. And this was a very big pressure because my client told me, hey, Tandy, I don't have any more oxygen now. I feel my body is very happy. I feel uh, already getting too tired and exhausted. And I was really worried because this was my first time. I didn't have a many experience about solving problems. As we were coming down uh, through the ridge of uh, Everest, summit, I was thinking so many different options. How can I help? What can I do? So uh, since he, he uh, regarded me as his personal guide, I have to find out some solution. And this was the biggest uh, pressure on my head. Then I said, no, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to find some solution. I don't know. I didn't know what. Today, I'm talking to Tendi Sherpa, who's been guiding people to the summit of Everest and down again now for 18 years. After initially training to be a Buddhist monk, he started work as a porter for treks around Nepal aged just 13, carrying around 43 kilograms for up to 15 hours a day for over three weeks at a time, and wearing flip-flops while he did. A year later, he climbed his first mountain in the Himalayas alongside his father, also a Sherpa, and got his first chance to climb on Everest aged 19. In 2004, by now aged 20, Tendi summited Everest for the first time an experience that secured what he calls his dream to become a professional mountain climber and guide. Over the last 18 years, he has summited several mountains in the Himalayas and Mount Everest specifically 14 times, including doing it twice in one week. He was in the middle of an Everest expedition when the 2014 avalanche killed 16 Sherpas, including several of his friends, and in 2015 when that one was halted by an earthquake. He's now summited mountains on five continents and is constantly raising money through the Tendi Sherpa Foundation to bring education to the people of his village. I met him on a trek in 2018 to raise money so that he could build a village school. In our conversation, he discusses how resilience was nurtured in him from the age of five, why his Buddhist education supports him on the mountain and why he will happily turn back and start again. This is a fantastic uh, opportunity to be talking to you about about all of this stuff. <laughs> so, so good to see you. So yeah, good to see you. Thank you for having me here on the on this uh, podcast today. Uh, it's uh, it's been a really wonderful um, experience for me to be in uh, in the UK and uh, sharing um, my stories. And I, I I have never imagined I would be talking to. I'm not much exposed, like uh, not not much um, exposed in like media or you know anything in Nepal, because uh, I feel like I live the different world as I'm I'm most of the time on the mountain, and uh, when I when I get to come here and share my experience and get to share my experience uh, on the medias and things like that, this is beyond imaginations and beyond uh, you know what I expected. So it's so wonderful. <laughs> we had so many interesting conversations on the mountain about pressure and 
you are it's a gift to have you here because you are you live and breathe pressure so often um so it's my privilege to have you here tendy seriously it's going to be a very Thank rich you, conversation and i know that you will have so many things to share in your experience of how many times now have you mounted everest uh, submitted Everest uh, 14 times. So this year was a special, uh, a special um, climb for me. I was um, guiding um, um, a very uh, young uh, girl from uh, uh, Australia, and uh, she was climbing Everest with her mother, and um, and uh, she became one of the youngest uh, Australian to um, uh, to summit Everest. So she was only 19 years old. And I was guiding her both on Everest, and uh, I stood there for the fourteen times, and then uh, uh, and uh, it was her first time. But uh, I was so amazed and inspired uh, how strong she was, uh, uh, and I was really, really um, honored to share that uh, that experience with her and her mother on the summit of Everest. I can imagine. I can imagine. And Tendi, maybe we could start on. You know, this this podcast is looking at pressure and how people experience pressure. Can you remember the first time you ever experienced pressure? Yes, um, one of the uh, the, the biggest ex, uh, pressure I have uh, experienced on Everest was well uh, on my first ever summit of Everest in two thousand and four. Um, since it was my really first time uh, summiting Everest, uh, of course I was really uh, excited. You know that I was going to go to the summit for the first time, and uh, I was still a young, and uh, but I had a big dream to stand on the summit of Everest. So, uh, what made me really a big, um, a big uh, uh, pressure was like. Uh, I was hired as a Sherpa, but also that means that my clients would expect that I will guide him. And uh, as as I didn't have any experience of uh, like um, uh, uh, many climbing before, uh, I was uh, given uh, directly the responsibility to to guide my clients in my first ever uh, summit uh, attempt. And uh, so that was definitely a big pressure. But then um, I I was uh, you know as I had a pressure, I was kind of. Uh, getting ready for uh, getting ready to to face that pressure so that means to say that as i was going to take my clients to the top of everest and like uh, after almost uh, uh, 35 days of being on the mountain during that particular 35 days i was prepared to to get ready to take my client to the top because um uh, when we climb mountains of course we always have um, uh, clients in the sherpa and uh, few clients like quite a less team are guided by a professional uh, mountain guides whereas i was there uh, acting as a as a guide even though i didn't have any experience and then so um, after being on the mountain almost 35 days we were um, ready for summit push and I had a client in my my hand, so my responsibility was to take care of my client. And um, so what happened is that, uh, of course, after climbing many days, we were finally able to get to the summit of Everest. So not knowing where we were going, the, not knowing how the route will be on the mountain, it was a big pressure. But then I was also very, sometimes very confident uh, in my mind. I say, no matter what situations comes, if everybody does it then I'm sure I will find a way to do it too. Because, uh, um, and then I, I 
uh, spoke to many other Sherpas, those who has been there before. And then th they, th those Sherpas said, hey, Tandy, uh, route is difficult in this part and that part. That part, that part is easy. Then second part is difficult. Third part is easy. And last part is difficult. I didn't really understand what they really mean. But I was um, mentally very prepared that I will... I will solve the, the any problem. I will solve any situations that I will face up there. That was what my mind said. Mm -hmm. And we went for the, for the summit push. And um, so, well, luckily we did the summit, of course, crossing through very difficult terrain. And when I was crossing that very difficult terrain, I was always anticipating that I will be, uh, uh, I will have a more difficult steps to come. Yes. So like, my mind, yes. my mind was, already prepared of course you know the the the, the situation was like um, some some part of the climb was really tough mm -hmm. and as i as i got there uh, i knew that that part is very difficult and i was like wow it's uh, it's a tough one but i was always expecting a more difficult one next and i say okay and i need to get prepared for that so by doing that i was able to cross through all that section and uh, suddenly when I summited on the Everest, because this was my first time and I didn't, it was new to me every steps. So when I stood on the summit of Everest and I was like, wow, I, I did all that difficult section. Wow, that's, um, you know, that, that was kind of surprising for me. And, uh, and uh, on my way back, um, my client ran out of his oxygen. So when he ran out of oxygen, I mean, we were still very high. We, we were at 8,700 meters and uh, we still have a long way to get down to last camp. And this was a very big pressure because my client told me, hey, Tandy, I don't have any more oxygen now. I run out of it and I feel I feel my body is very happy. I feel uh, already getting too tired and exhausted and I'm breathing very, very hard. And uh, And I was really worried because since this was my first time, I didn't have uh, many um, experience about solving problems. And uh, for about an hour, I was been thinking, because he still had a little bit of oxygen in his bottle. So as we were coming down uh, through the ridge of uh, Ever Summit, uh, I was thinking so many different options. How can I help? What can I do? So uh, since he, he uh, regarded me as his personal guide, Yes, I have to find out some solution, and this was the biggest, uh, biggest challenge and biggest uh, pressure on my head. Then I said, "No, I'm going to. I'm definitely going to find some solution. I don't know. I didn't know what, but later on, uh, I I decided to take off my mask because I still had a. Uh, uh, since I use a very little uh, flow rate of oxygens, I still have a lot of uh, remaining oxygens in my bottle. So I took off my mask. I breathe and I, I felt it's, uh, it was doable. And I say, okay, now I'm going to give my oxygen to him. So that way, even though I feel tired, I will try to push myself to get down to the last game as soon as possible. But I can, uh, you know, I don't have to wait him and then and run out of my oxygens and both of our oxygens and get into big trouble. So instead of that, I gave my oxygen to him. And then after 20 minutes, he was able to walk properly and able to walk faster. And so we descended down, crossing through that difficult sections to last camp. Okay. And uh, that that kind of uh, thing 
it won't come in your mind easily. So, uh, so there was a there was one of the uh, one of the big pressure, and then um, and this uh, was actually was that your yeah. was that your very first summit that, yes. that happened? Okay, so Very I mean, that's pretty, pretty extraordinary, really, isn't it? When you think about it, because yes. I'm hearing so many things in that um, rendition that you just shared with us, which is the importance of preparation. So you really spoke to any any Sherpa that had summited Everest. You did your research in a way, like you you spoke to them to exactly. say where are the. So you had some. I'm I'm imagining you had some mental picture of the route with yeah. the with the yes. moments that were going to be most challenging and then the other thing that i'm hearing is you and this is what i remember about you sherpa, um T T tendy when we when you were our sherpa was this utter belief that everything will be okay i mean yes. it was it was so contagious from you that feeling and it wasn't yeah. um and what i remember about it it was it was incredibly calming so whatever you were doing internally, we never picked that up. Just to be clear to anyone who's listening to this, we didn't mount Everest. <laughs> this was a much, much more relaxed uh, trek. However, even for that, you know, there were moments where it was a pressure for us, but we never felt anything from you that was other than utter confidence that you that we had it. And so I, I really have A, experienced your, your belief in... Um, what is possible but taking it to Everest on the first time that you've ever mounted Everest takes it to a whole other level for you to have that mindset of I will do this I can yes. do this how did you learn that yes so um as I was a uh, grew up in the village uh, we were kind of self-reliant uh, 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 as, a, as, a, as a kid as uh, um. I was only five years old, uh, Sarah, when I uh, first uh, started going to school, and uh, that was two days of walk from my my village. So, as a very so, hang on a minute, Teddy. Did you say two days? Yes. Two days yes. walk to your to your school. Yes, the nearest school from my village was two days walk uh, uh, from my village, okay. and um, and I did that at at my age of five years old. So I kind of uh, learned to face the pressure and I kind of learned uh, what to expect. Uh, in. So uh, uh, as I started going to school, walking two days at the age of five and being at the school uh, where I have never been before and where I don't know anybody else, um, uh, I was uh, way away from my parents and I was... Uh, I was lodging, staying at one of the uh, the uh, the family that my father knew before. So he uh, requested with the owner, and I stayed at their home. They were very very kind to have me there. But since I wasn't paying money mm, to live there, um, I had to divide my time between you know like uh, uh, as a, as an exchange. I had to work for them, and so that I can stay there and uh, and uh, and get all the food and everything. So I had to work half day, and then the other half day uh, I would go to the school. So that means normally the school starts at um, nine a.m. in in the village school, and it finishes at four p.m. So whereas 
I used I couldn't catch that first uh, first hours and then I would just get there at 1 p.m. to to do a, a three hours of uh, class every day and from where I stayed to to the school was still one hour walk and uh, I had to cross through the uh, the the big villages and uh, there were lots of dogs and ch small children chasing always and dogs uh, chasing as well, sometimes even like a buffalo. Uh, there was so many things I had to be very careful about it. Already at the age of five and six and seven years. So I did that for two years as a small kid all by myself. I wasn't accompanied by any adult to go to school. So there was so many, uh, so many risks that yes. I had to face yeah. every day between my school and where I, I slept. Well, my home is two days away. So um, I was from the from the little kid, I was yeah. so much uh, used to, you know, I, I, yeah. I so much used to that kind of pressure. And yeah. for me, really, uh, Sarah, it was a big pressure to be away from your parents, your uh, sure. family, and uh, and being chased by the uh, uh, the other children and being chased by the dogs. And and uh, walking into the uh, into the like a very muddy trail and very slippery trail, as so many things could happen in one day. And uh, I did that for two years. And after that, I felt like you know after two years, I I left school. So I decided to escape from the school and I went back to uh, back to my parents. And I still walk for two days. And that was another level of a uh, uh, big pressure for me. So the thing is. Um, you know, um, after you experience, you learn as well. Yeah. So um, for me, it was like, oh, I already had enough pressure in my life for two years now, five at age of five, six and seven years. Now uh, I'm going to leave school and I'm going to go home. I feel like I'm a uh, I'm a already mature adult at age seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to take any challenge, you know, like since I have to take on enough challenges in my life already, uh, I said, I'm, I'm happy to go back home. And uh, I was scared, of course, for a moment. I know because I have to cross uh, two days of uh, 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 big distance and uh, I have to cross through the uh, dense forest. I have to, um, uh, there was a lot of rigs of uh, chasing with the uh, wild animals such as bear and tigers and uh, and all that. So I knew that 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 is a risk and that is dangerous. And not only that, I had to even cross a river where there wasn't any bridges. And uh, and I had to jump over that river to to get to my home. And where I, 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 uh, I fell down into the river and uh, almost got killed because there wasn't any river, uh, sorry, any bridges over the river. And uh, luckily uh, I was survived from the river and I was survived from my two days of walking into the forest and uh, surviving from the uh, tigers and bears. So- uh, And just to be clear, Tendi, I remember you stopping at that part of the river when we did the trek. And when you say river, like it's a very fast current, isn't it? It's like it's it's coming down the mountain. It's not like the typical river. It's a very, yeah. it's a very very deep current and lots of rocks within it. Yes, depending on which season, which time of the yes. year. Mostly, uh, I was there uh, when I was there. It was during the monsoon, and uh, as you know, that uh, we get really uh, strong uh, rain uh, during the yes. monsoon. 
And since my village is a very tropical and very rainy area, it gets a lot of rain and the, the level of water, level of river changes so quickly. And um, so we didn't, as we didn't have a proper uh, bridges over the river, a uh, uh, lot of people used to put their life at risk. The river, river was one of the very, very challenging uh, things for uh, people living in the village and especially uh, in my childhood life. Because uh, until that time, there wasn't any proper village uh, built over this river and, um, and uh, the level of water can uh, get higher any times. And uh, it's uh, so tropical, so humid, it gets a lot of rain you know, during monsoon. So I feel like um, I spent uh, uh, most of my childhood life with the pressure every day or even maybe every couple, <laughs> every hour. Yeah. And, uh, and Gosh, I mean, Teddy, what's so interesting for me listening to you, I mean, this is pressure at a whole other level. Like, you know, the work that we do is with leaders who are under pressure. But this sort of pressure, this sort of never ending pressure since the age of five seems to have grown such a strong muscle for you that in a way I can't imagine anything sort of throwing you. And I'm I'm really intrigued with that because... Most of us, you know, don't, don't have the experience that you've had at a young age. And I could imagine that some people might have that experience and not respond in the way that you have to it. It's been, it feels like it's been very um, strengthening and enlivening in, I mean, I know that the experiences that you've described didn't feel that way in the moment, but the way you're talking about it now feels like it was a, always almost a gift for you to be able to mount Everest 14 times and I'm sure there's probably another 14 coming yeah. you know um so for us who haven't had that that immersion in pressure from such a young age and have responded it in the way it responded to it in the way that you have which feels very strengthening and it feels like it's a really well-drilled practice all your life not to yeah. be thrown by pressure I it felt unconscious when you were younger it feels more conscious now when you're an adult. How do you consciously take that knowledge, that inner knowledge into your pressure moments? Could you break it down for those of us who want to be better <laughs> in pressure yeah. moments in our life? What, what, how would you break it down for us? Yes. So like for me, um, as, a, as a young kid, uh, you know, as I face a lot of, uh, a lot of the challenges in my life, uh, I learned. I was. I learned to face the pressure. I felt like uh, there was a. There was kind of like a great uh, knowledge, a great school. All those challenges yes. were great school for me, and uh, I take it for granted. I. 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 I think. Uh, yeah, like you said. Like at the time when I had to go through that, it was. Uh, it was challenging and a big pressure, but. You just went through that, you know. Uh, I then now what I say is like a pressure for me is um, is a natural things. It comes, but you have to. Uh, I always say, okay, there's a big pressure, but hey, uh, take a take a moment to breathe, mm. breathe better. Take a moment to to realize where you are and who you are, and uh, and take a moment to think. If I take a big pressure over something, what will be the consequences? What will be the result? Will I get better? Will I, if, you know, we always 
take a time to think about the benefits of doing something. Yes. So as a as a human as our as a human life, of course, we do so many things in our life, and uh, things happens, things goes up and down. And for me, it's a part of the journey, 100% part of the journey. And uh, I think you should just enjoy that. But the thing is, you should uh, time to time when there is something occur uh, uh, going on, you know, like um, something strange is uh, ahead of you, you just pause a moment. And, uh, and you, you already prepare, you already prepare before uh, it gets there. You know, yes. like, for example, you know, if I'm going to go through that, I know I will have a stress. For example, I might have a loss of meetings tomorrow. So I know already now that I will have a loss of meeting. Yes. But, uh, but then uh, what, what, uh, what happens is that I know that it, going to be, it can be very stressful. So like, uh, you know, you know uh, what's, what to expect, what's going to happen tomorrow. And I, say, I always say in that position, I always pause my mind a little bit. Sometimes we are thinking hundreds of things in our our thought, and uh, and in that situations we should really realize that that we are thinking so much at a time, and uh, and like for me, what I practice a lot is like this is what happens in my daily life. Uh, as a mountaineer, you know when you have a clients with you, uh, you are the fully responsible for your clients. You are fully responsible for your team and Sherpas and logistics and weather and the hudgers of the mountains and everything. So sometimes it is a very, very big pressure. But there you always pause a little bit and then you you break things in a like a in a part. So you say, okay, that part. So tomorrow I have to go through a Kumbo Icefall. I know what to decide tomorrow. This is a big pressure. When, once I get there, if it if things is really, really dangerous, then uh, I will not uh, take a big risk because it's not only me; it's also my client and also my sherpa. So I would I don't want to put the life uh, um, at risk for my clients and my team. So every single step, I say I will you know I will make the decision on my journey. If there is something uh, uh, you know really dangerous, then I, I stop. But well, when you make the decisions, this is also a big pressure sometimes yes. because maybe your uh, your clients or your sherpas' goal is different. You they want to reach maybe camp one or camp two, but uh, sometime in the life uh, you have to turn back. So uh, sometimes turning back is always a, as a, is a, always a wonderful thing because you can always go back there again uh, next day in a new with a new energy and uh, new everything new new situations. There is a pressures in our daily life, uh, and uh, we just have to handle this the way you know in a very easy way. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that reframe that you've just done about turning back because I think often in say organizations the idea of making a decision to turn back <laughs> doesn't necessarily feel the way you described it which was it's always a good decision because the next day we can go forward again but with a new energy and yes. that sort of metaphorical sense of a journey of literally going back down the mountain in order to go higher up the mountain the next day because the conditions are better or because the safety is better or you know whatever you whatever decisions you're making because you're holding all of that that input, aren't you, to make a decision around their safety? Yes, yeah. and I, feel, uh, I feel like when we're uh, 
facing all that kind of pressure. And, uh, you know, that is not one day and two days. It's almost uh, uh, 70 days on the mountain on 8,000 meter peaks. And uh, you always think a lot about um, your clients, your client safety, your Sherpa safety, the route conditions. It keeps changing. The yes. situation changing every day. And sometimes even like it gets worse and more worse. And then sometimes you will uh, you will see people getting into trouble, people uh, people drying on the mountain, people falling off the crevasses, and uh, and you see the blood, you see you see the tragedies, you see so many different um, uh, things on the mountain, and all you 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 think is, well, one thing that helped me very much is uh, from the meditations because uh, as my mm. my. My family are all from the like a Buddhist philosophy, and they do a lot of practice of meditations. I learned I, when I was a young kid. I learned uh, uh, to meditate at monastery, and that really helped me. I am not like a, 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 a wonderful practitioner, but uh, I I remember a lot of the steps, and I practice those in my daily life. When I have like before I begin my trip after I end my trip and uh, and I anticipate that there will be a stress, there will be a pressure, but then, you know, I relax. I give time for myself to relax because this is, this is so important, you know, uh, when we let our mind rest, the mind is going to rest. Mind is going to go so far away and so deep. And then you you uh, uh, you will never realize where you are and who you are. So it's very for me in my daily practice. It's so important to realize, take a long breath, and realize where where I am, and uh, also be thankful to yourself, to be very appreciated for yourself. And um, and there there are so many bigger problems around the world, so many big big problem uh, around the world. And sometimes what we feel is like, oh, this problem is just for me. No one will have this problem, and but to me, no, it's not true. The problem that we have we have is too tiny, too small, and uh, and and we always have to be confident, no matter what comes next. That is an adventure. That is the journey. And you say, I'm going to pass that journey. I'm going to do that journey. And I'm so excited. You know, you just just have to be excited to do it. As you can probably tell, Tendi had a huge impact on me when we trekked with him and his team in Nepal. I remember being astonished by the way he described pressure. I'd never come across anyone who looked at pressure in quite that way, with such humility. And now, in the intimacy of this podcast, I find myself listening to him again in more detail, particularly the vocabulary he uses, and wondering what can we draw from this in the daily pressures that we face. The part that jumped out for me was him saying, when you let your mind race, your mind is going to go so far away and so deep, it will go deep and you will never realize where you are and who you are. These questions are powerful because asking where am I and who am I can bring us right back into the present. Tendi reminds us more than once of the importance of reconnecting to who we are in these moments, that we all have the choice to control where our mind goes in any moment of pressure. And he emphasizes the importance of having a practice to interrupt that racing mind. The words he chooses are remarkably simple and positive. He calls it a journey and an adventure and tells us, you just have to be excited to do it. 
oh, Tendi, you're taking me straight back to Nepal in 2018 and the, and the, the pleasure and energy I got from walking alongside you. Uh, I, I love what you've just said. And, and I remember what really struck me about walking with you was your relationship, not just with yourself in the way that you've described it, but also your relationship with the mountain. Yes. And I'm, I've tried to take that with me because there's something so powerful when you can connect to your environment in the way that I witnessed you doing and the way that not just you did it, but you passed it to us, which gave us the strength as well. And I, I think about that a lot in leadership, you know, is what's the relationship with a leader to the environment and how do you make it contagious in a positive way for those that are in the same environment? Can you can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the mountain? Well, uh, Sarah, as I was born on the mountain, uh, my village is at 2,500 meters. So you have been there and... Uh, yeah. And in the winter time, uh, the village is surrounded by a lot of snow and all that green hills with the trees and all that things becomes a complete mountain in the winter time. So um, we get to see a different colors uh, um, of, of those hills uh, every year. And uh, so I've been a fan, a fan of mountains since I was uh, uh, only uh, maybe three years old or four years old child. I feel like I I, I I was grown up on the left of the mountain. And uh, since then, we kind of have a very special uh, connection to the mountain. Of course, all mountains in Nepal, and especially in our Sherpa community and in Sherpa belief, uh, we regard mountain as a, as a goddess. So they're so special to us. And uh, in our daily meditations and daily prayer, we pray to those mountains and uh, to bless us and uh, and for all the good things and uh, so mountain is a very special uh, we feel like mountain also given us a very um, uh, uh, great blessings and so we both have a very very deep connection to each other this is how we yeah. feel and um, another thing is uh, our uh, ethnic group of sherpas they're always belong to the mountain so uh, they are they are born there and they go to the mountains. They work for the seasons and when before they climb a mountains, they do a big prayer ceremony at base camp. They put a prayer flags that is kind of like that signifies kind of like a clothing offer to the mountains. And uh, also it's with a lot of meditations mantras on the prayer flags and also to uh, spread uh, good energy for the mountains, not just for the human. Uh, but uh, you know, as a human, that we can give back to the mountain is some uh, good energy also back. Mm. Every day we look at the mountain and we we share, we get that energy from the mountains and uh, the prayer flags and bread that we do at Best Camer, uh, energy giving back to the mountain too. Yeah. So um, for for us, it's a it's very very special uh, to yes. to be on the mountains. Yes, I felt that, and I remember also what struck me was the the energy from the villages. So every every village we went to, there was a real, everyone came out from everywhere to, <laughs> to celebrate that moment of being in their village. And, you know, in my my words, that's, you know, the, the strength of people energy, the, the energy that people give to people, you know, was just so profound. Um, again, and it, and it happened everywhere you went, Tendi. 
you know, the, the village just came out <laughs> from everywhere. You know, yeah. and it was dark and you'd see the lights come down from different places of the mountain when they'd, and they'd all gather in a space and they would celebrate. And this idea of ritual that you're talking about feels very important in a yeah. way to deal with pressure and the unknown. Um, so I'm I'm lo- I'm loving this, and I'm 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 just so intrigued as to how we can borrow some of those e- the essence of some of that and take yeah. it into our daily pressures that everybody's working with and feeling and wanting to be better under. Yeah. But, um, y- yeah. This, this idea of breathing and stopping and meditating it's very ritualistic. It feels very ritualistic. Yeah. You worked on something. Yeah. Yes, like uh, when you when we were there, people were so excited to see the tourists because they have a lot of they have never seen tourists in their life. Mm. They they think all the tourists that that comes to village are from Kathmandu because that means that some of the those people living in the village have never been to Kathmandu too, is which is our capital city. So yes, they have lived the life in in so isolated and so remote areas, and um, they have enjoyed the life even though it was a full of pressure. So for them, the pressure has just become unnatural and uh, and and at the end, it, be, it was no pressure at all. Because um, like uh, in our village, in our regions, we still don't have a road, we don't have electricity, we don't have a telephone towers, no internet, no televisions. And a lot of people are still walking barefoot around there. They're not even wearing a pair of sandals or shoes. And they're living with a very, very limited uh, comfort. You know, it's, it's way beyond the comfort that uh, that, that is in Kathmandu. Uh, yeah. And uh, like uh, nowadays, you know, um, people have more and more comfort, more and more facilities. And um, and I think we should enjoy that that moment, that every little things uh, that we have in life. Because um, as you, if you compare with the people in my village then uh, the life is way so different and so difficult. But it's still people people are uh, uh, staying so happy, so humble. Because like when they get, a, let's say, um, maybe a, a pair of uh, new, new shoes or new sandal or even new sock from a market, wow, they, they, they are so happy with that mm. because they don't get that every day in their village. So like um, uh, people are, you know, always um, uh, learn to live with the stress uh, or learn to live in the very difficult environment, harsh environment. Yeah. And, and uh, for a certain time, it can be very, very um, stressful for them. But then uh, they know that uh, that will happen and there is no other options. Yeah. So, so and, and when there is no options and when there is no benefit of doing a taking a pressure in your head if there is no benefit then it's better to just give it off just yeah. forget and keep going ahead it's just like uh, uh you know when we cross uh, when we walk on the trail there's no there is a trail not always uh, up or not always down no. there's also sometimes flat then you go up and when you go up you also go down and then you can walk flat up and down so this this <laughs> In uh, what happens in our our daily life too, so yes. this we have to realize on time, and we have to some time to time uh, stop and think about yourself and appreciate every little things that you have in your life uh, because the life is so precious. Yeah. So.
and we should not be uh, our pressure and our tensions should not be greater than us they sh we should be we are the one who controls i think we are like a police uh, where uh, ourselves mm -hmm. our mind should be like a police to watch where your mind is going and try to stop them if the mind is flying everywhere then you know you you do yourself you say oh no 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 let's stop everything is good you know just be just be with you of course when you work when you do things uh, it may take your stress it may take um, so many different different uh, level of uh, you know difficulties or or colors i would yeah. say but you realize that and then that all going to be fine yes and it, i keep moving ahead one step at a time yes. in the difficult times when i say difficult time is just like as if i'm climbing the mount everest as you go up it takes time you need to breathe i maybe i'm running a little faster i stop i try to bring my uh, breath back to normal mm -hmm. and then i again continue walking but when i go down it's much easier Yes. So uh, this, I think it is exactly the same in our daily life. <laughs> I think you're right. and I, But I also think the other ingredient you take unbelievably seriously, which um, I care a lot about, as you know, is just the, sort of the basic fuel that people need. So you feed people well when you are, mountain, when you are on the mountain. You, yeah. you drink. You, you made us really aware of how much we needed to drink in order to deal with the altitude you in you know you make sure that we sleep you know these these sort of basic things that that you that you talk you know you talk about um having that mindset but what i really understood from walking with you is the foundation is important in order to have that mindset exactly yes that that's very that's very very true so like um uh, always it's so important to be aware and uh, it's always so important to uh, give time for yourself to be to be with you yourself yeah, yeah. because uh, uh, when you are enjoying the moment uh, you are benefiting yourself and uh, because that moment is not going to come back tomorrow so the moment that we pass now is is gone and uh mm -hmm. so we should not regret about the moment that went uh, went uh, or that 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 is gone and uh, we should just enjoy the moment and we should be excited whether it's going to be stressful uh whether it's going to be difficult tomorrow uh, but we always should get very excited for the for the next step yeah. yes i love that <laughs> there's that word excited again and from someone who risks his life on a regular basis. What I'm finding so powerful about this conversation is the way that Tendi describes in such a simple and light way the resources that we all have but often ignore because we allow the pressure and tensions to become, as he so beautifully puts it, greater than us. What I'm taking from this is a profound reminder of how resourceful we actually are as humans if we can only stick to a few basic principles. One. Stop to appreciate everything that we have in our lives and make it a daily practice because when we do, we reduce the negative impact of pressure and instead see it as something that we can grow from. Two, have a powerful metaphor that supports you through passages of pressure. For Tendi, it's the mountain with its various different colours and heights. 
What could be your powerful metaphor? Three, learn to police our mind. Be aware of where our mind is going. I find the question, where is my mind going, much more useful than what is my mind doing? It gives me a sense of control and direction, and with that, an ability to pull it back into my control again. Four, take a pause, which might also mean literally turning back. Turning back is a decision, as Tendi reminds us, and it means that we can start up again the next day with renewed energy. And five, keep moving ahead. If there's no benefit from stopping to think about the pressure, then let it go and keep going ahead. I'd love you just to share very briefly, Tendi. You talked about a moment. I think I asked you, have you had a near-death experience on the mountain? And you yes. said yes. I think you've had more than one, in fact. Um, and I asked you to, to share with me how you managed yourself in that moment. Now, most of us, thankfully, don't have near-death experiences or the risk of a near-death experience in the way that you do most days or most, at least most, most um, summits. How would, could you just talk us through the, the sort of mechanics of that moment that allows you to stay in it in the way that you just described and get you through it? Yes. So I was, um, I, I had a several um, uh, close call uh, on Everest and other mountains. Uh, from uh, one from avalanches, one from just rolling uh, down from the uh, from the slope of the mountain on Everest in 2004. Mm -hmm. One, uh, I, I was, uh, I fell, I, I I fell into the crevice, but luckily I was able to spread my hands, and I I got stuck on the on the ledge of the crevices. So, well, I mean, uh, things things happens without. Yes. Uh, Without expecting it, things happens without knowing, and and it's a part of the journey too. Uh, but depends. Sometimes some of the journey can be can be very very harsh. Uh, so the uh, sometimes you don't know what to do when you, when you get there. But then the thing that made me um, uh, do when I had that problem, especially when I got caught in an avalanche on a, one of the 8,000 meter mountain called Choyu, I was uh, fixing a route. I was putting a rope on the mountains and suddenly due to the unstable snow conditions, we had a huge uh, powder uh, avalanche, the slab avalanche. And the uh, and avalanche took, uh, took me and my team down about 200 meters. And uh, during that time, uh, all I can uh, ask the mountain, I, you know, I, I I was very luckily I I, I wasn't unconscious, and uh, I requested mountains, hey mountain, please uh, let me survive, let me live, you know, um, give me all the protection you can. Uh, I want to continue my life, and uh, and I don't want to die here. Yes. And then so maybe it's because of also there I felt like the mountain has uh, uh, given me that protection. Yeah. Even I was I was buried under uh, under snow, under avalanche, and I was taken down by like uh, 200 meters. Um, I, I didn't have a small single scratch on my face or on my uh, my my body and which was very surprising. And uh, for me, I gave that uh, credit to the directly to the mountains. So, yeah. you know, people, many people get very uh, sad 
when they have this kind of problem, they say, oh, it, that mountain is terribly bad. You know, uh, it's a lot of avalanches and rock falls and, and, uh, and, and, you know, they kind of uh, dominate the mountain. Yes, if, interesting. For me, I, I have a little bit opposite, uh, opposite way of thinking. And I, uh, rather than uh, uh, dominating mountain, rather than criticizing the mountains, mountain is there, the risk is there. So uh, we should we are there to to you know be with them. So for me, I I was really uh, thankful to the mountain that they, uh, you know, uh, they didn't let me die up there. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's like um, that's where um, I, I came through a lot of a lot of the accidents, and I always feel very thankful to the mountains for yeah. saving me every time and also the thing is like when you have that experience after that it makes you more stronger yes and it makes you more more aware for next time so you don't want to repeat the same thing and i feel like um, when that happened to me the mountain was kind of teaching me indirectly saying hey tendy you be careful next time yes so you don't want <laughs> them mistake you climb the mountains I love that mindset. I love, and it also, it makes so much sense in terms of your relationship with the mountain because that's built it, you know, strengthened it, um, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> you know, nowadays a lot of people uh, climb mountains and people set the world records and uh, do this and do that. And I only thing that I'm worried sometimes is uh, is that people sometimes uh, under underestimate the mountains people sometimes do push beyond the limits sometimes push too hard too much on the mountain and uh, you know it's sometimes very it can be very very uh, dangerous so i always say that uh, you know do what mountain says and i always like to hear what mountain has to tell us i look at the mountain and uh, i feel like mountain is she's saying something to me and I try to understand what she's saying, and sometimes I understand quite well, and uh, and we make the we make the right call on time. Interesting, gosh, so interesting. What and what do you do? So I'm thinking, you know, a lot of the pressure for the people that I work with comes from managing other people's pressure, not just their own, or what they may think isn't pressure. Other people are, are seeing as pressure, and they're spiraling in an in an unhelpful way with the pressure. How do you manage either guests, clients, or Sherpas, other people in your team who are feeling more pressure than you? What do you do with them? Yes, so like uh, it depends like what kind of what kind of pressure why they are so uh, uh, so worried for things, why they are so panicked, why they feel it pressure. Um, I usually sit down with them, say what happened. So, for example, maybe someone is running out of time or someone is worried that maybe he might not be able to go to the summit. But uh, I always say, hey, look, this is not end of the world. You know, we have a, we have a lifelong journey to, to go. And uh, sometimes it's not easy to deal with the people when they have a pressure. But uh, all you can do is to be with them. Mm -hmm. and uh, and share what they have to say 
and uh, share what you feel. And uh, it's all about sharing and uh, and caring each other okay. at that, that time. Love that. So it sounds so simple and so often overlooked, that capacity to just share and care. I love that. Share and care. Exactly. Yeah. So simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not, not common enough, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Tendi, I always... Um, finish the podcast with um, two pay forwards from my guests. So if you were going to pass forward two things to people who are listening to this podcast around how they might be better under pressure, what would be the two things that you would offer them? Be with yourself, give, give time, give time for yourself and enjoy every single things that comes in your life. And even a bigger pressure, I think, will be a very small pressure after that. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Tendi, so much. What an absolute treasure it's been speaking to you. It's always my great honor and great pleasure to talk with you, Sarah, and share about this. I mean, now we're on the podcast. I feel like this is like an interview, and I wish I can get <laughs> a lot more insight and a lot more details. I know... I I, I, I absolutely can feel all of this and uh, because I have quite a lot of experience. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's like uh, always is so wonderful uh, pleasure to talk with you about this. We did talk a lot during our trekking. And uh, of course, I also learned a lot from you. And oh, uh, we, I was able to share what I know a little bit. And, uh, and this has been, this is what we call share and care each other. It so, so is. It's <laughs> absolutely that. And I'm so excited about reading your book, which I know that you have now written and put some of these gems into a much bigger story. And you've linked it with your relationship with your father, which I think is wonderful because it was great meeting him as well. But... I'm yes. so pleased that you're here to launch your book, Tendi, you. and I am sure there will be so many gems of wisdom and insight in that for all of us wanting to be better under pressure. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much to everybody who are listening in podcasts. I really hope to uh, meet all of them one day in person and share more about our stories. Well, they'd be <laughs> very lucky. They would be very, very lucky. So I hope so too. Thank you, Tendi. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Better Under Pressure with me, Sarah Milne-Rowe. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and let us know what you found useful or what you'd like to know more about. Our aim is to share as many examples as possible of what people do to manage pressure for better. If you're interested in any of the practices mentioned, check out my book, The Shed Method. Alternatively, you can find us at Coaching Impact or me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Better Under Pressure was produced by the fab team at Smart Cookie Media. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, goodbye. <laughs>